is a this is a really good um, Florida torts practice essay from February 2019. Here's the fact pattern. As part of its new marketing program, Supermarket offered a service that would deliver digital coupons to its customer cell phones upon entering any of Supermarket stores. Paula registered for the service and used it often. Paula was shopping at Supermarket and received a message from Supermarket containing new coupons. As she walked down the frozen food aisle, she scrolled down, she scrolled through the coupons on her phone. In looking at the coupons, Paula did not see a large puddle of melted ice cream in the in the aisle. Paula slipped on the puddle and hit her head on the floor. A supermarket employee arrived right after the fall and helped Paula to her feet. Paula said she felt dazed and asked the employee to call her husband, Harold, to drive her home. Harold arrived shortly thereafter and picked up Paula. While driving back to Paula's to Paula and his house, Husband, or sorry, Harold began typing a text message. While Harold was texting, the car swerved to the right and hit the curb, causing Paula to bang her head against the window. Good job. No, I'm just kidding. That's not a good job. After suffering headaches, Paula consulted a doctor and was diagnosed with a severe concussion. Paula has been unable to work because of her persistent headaches. Paula has lost income and incurred medical expenses and now seeks to recover damages from supermarket. Paula was referred to you by lawyer who does not practice personal injury law. Lawyer proposes that your firm would solely litigate Paula's case and pay lawyer a referral fee equal to 10% of any fee you earn on the case. Huh, good luck with that one. Prepare a memo that discusses the claims and defenses involved in Paula's proposed lawsuit against supermarket. In the memo, include a discussion of the ethical issues involved in lawyer's fee proposal. Answer. Negligence. Paula can bring a claim against supermarket for negligence. To prevail, a plaintiff must prove duty, breach, causation, and damages. Duty. In general, a duty of care is owed to all foreseeable, sorry, all foreseeable persons who may foreseeably be injured by the defendant's failure to act as a reasonably prudent person under the circumstances. As the as a customer of the store, Paula can establish that she was a foreseeable plaintiff to whom the store owed a duty of reasonable care. A business owner like supermarket supermarket owes a higher yes I got this right. Uh, the business owner like the supermarket owes a higher duty of care to its customers, i.e., business invitees. A business invitee is someone invited to enter or remain on the land for a purpose connected to business dealings with the landowner. Supermarket is a business and Paula was on the premises to shop, thereby making her a business invitee. The defendant owes an invitee the duty to use reasonable care to inspect the property, discover unreasonable dangerous conditions, and protect the invitee from them. Specifically, the business owner must use reasonable efforts to warn of and keep the premises free from transitory objects or substances that might foreseeably give rise to loss, injury, or damage. While shopping at the supermarket, Paula slipped on a puddle of melted ice cream in a store aisle, a substance that could foreseeably cause a customer to slip and fall. Therefore, a supermarket had the duty to use reasonable efforts to warn or make safe the dangerous condition of ice cream being on the floor. Breach. Breach requires a plaintiff to prove that the defendant's conduct fell below the applicable standard of care. The burden rests with the claimant to show that the business had actual constructive notice of the object alleged to have caused the injury. A reasonable supermarket would have discovered the large puddle of melted ice cream before it could cause a customer to slip and fall. Depending on the size of the slip on the spill and whether it was melted as soon as it got on the floor, even if the store regularly checked its aisles for hazards, it's possible that the store could not have reasonably discovered the spill in time. To prove the breach, Paula... Show has to show the supermarket had actual or constructive notice of the melted ice cream. The facts are silent as to whether supermarket 
as to, as to whether they gave notice without more facts, the supermarket will not be liable for failing to keep the premises free from the melted ice cream because it did not have actual constructive notice of the substance. On the other hand, there was an employee nearby who came to Paula's almost who came to Paula's aid uh, immediately, which suggests that the danger should have been discovered and cleared sooner. Causation. Causation requires proof of actual and proximate cause. Actual cause. If the injury would not have occurred but for the defendant's torturous conduct, then the conduct is the factual cause of the harm. But for the ice cream not being cleaned up, Paula would not have slipped and hit her head on the floor. Proximate cause. In Florida, proximate cause concerns whether and what to what extent the defendant's actions foreseeably and substantially caused the actual injury. Slipping in the frozen food section is a foreseeable manner of injury due to the melted ice cream on the floor failing to sufficiently monitor the aisles and train employees about the danger of in-store accidents is also substantial is also a substantial cause of Paula's head injury a concussion is a foreseeable type of harm under the circumstances of a slip and fall thus supermarkets failure to maintain the aisle in a safe condition was the proximate cause of Paula's harm boom got that right supermarket may argue yes 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 I got this right too supermarket may argue that Harold is a superseding intervening force whose negligence will cut off supermarkets liability an indirect cause results from an act or event occurring after the defendant's torturous act and before the plaintiff's injury. However, a foreseeable intervening cause does not cut off a defendant's liability. As a general guideline, negligent intervening acts are usually regarded as foreseeable. Here, a supermarket may blame the extent of Paula's head injury on Harold, who swerved and hit a curve on the drive home, causing Paula to hit her head against the window. Harold failed to drive as a reasonably prudent person because he was texting while driving. However, Harold's driving is not a superseding cause cause because negligence is generally foreseeable and will not break the chain of causation. Thus, actual approximate cause are satisfied. Next, damages. The typical categories of damages recoverable in a personal injury action include medical and rehabilitative, both, pa- both past and future, two pa- uh, past and future pain and suffering, and three, loss of income and any reduction in future earnings. Paula suffered a severe concussion and continues to have persistent headaches as a result of falling. Therefore, she will be able to cover her medical expenses, pain and suffering, lost income, blah, blah, blah. The plaintiff must take reasonable steps to mitigate damages. Paula's duty to mitigate her damages was arguably breached in this case by not asking for medical attention after she fell and hit her head. Her decision to forego help and go with her husband exacerbated her injuries. Paula's recovery may be limited if she could have avoided additional harm by seeking immediate medical attention after the injury. Comparative negligence defense. Florida is a pure comparative negligence, negligence jurisdiction. Any contributory fault charged to the plaintiff will not bar recovery, but will proportionately reduce the amount awarded. While in the supermarket, Paula failed to act as a reasonably prudent p- person by looking at her phone while she was walking. The fact that she was looking at store coupons that are only delivered upon entering the premises does not minimize her fault. Boom, got that shit. A reasonable person would not walk without looking ahead and would stop before reviewing the coupons. But for looking at her phone instead of in front of her, Paula would not have likely slipped. Thus, uh, I don't know. Because the uh, the coupons were only there. Okay, whatever. So I guess she could be comparatively at fault. Boom, blah, 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 blah. Ethical issues. A referral or forwarding fee in return for merely recommending another lawyer violates the Florida Rules of Professional Conduct. A lawyer who refers a client to another lawyer may take a share of the fee provided the agreement complies with the rules for fee splitting. A division of a fee between lawyers who are not members of the same law firm can be made only if the total fee is reasonable. And one, the division is proportional to the services performed by each lawyer or by written agreement with the client. Each lawyer assumes joint legal responsibility for the representation, agrees to be available for consultation with the client and fully discloses that a division of fees will be made and the basis will be made uh, and the basis upon which will be made. 
Here, the lawyer wants to collect 10% of any fee collected from Paula in exchange for the referral. However, it appears that the lawyer will not perform any legal services and has not assumed any responsibility for the representation. In fact, the proposed agreement states that the firm is solely responsible for litigating the matter. Thus, even if the fee was reasonable and Paula agreed to the fee in writing, the lawyer's acceptance of that fee would still violate the rules of professional conduct because the lawyer has taken no responsibility for the representation. Even assuming lawyer intends to participate in the legal representation, he is not likely competent to do so. Competent representation requires a lawyer possess legal knowledge, skill, thoroughness, and preparedness reasonably necessary for the representation. A lawyer who is not competent may accept representation if she can become competent within a reasonable time or by associating with a competent lawyer. In this case, lawyer does not practice personal injury law and is mandating the firm solely litigate the matter, which contradicts any notion the lawyer will become competent or work with the firm on the matter. Thus, the lawyer's proposal would violate the rules of professional conduct, which should be rejected.